2: I am here. Welcome to another fun takeover series. As, as most of you know, every Tuesday and Thursday, we have started to find amazing leaders who are doing great podcasts. And we want to partner up because guess what? They have lifetimes, great content that you may not never hear about. And if you like it, you can go and subscribe to that. And I know people call me crazy to do that. But I think if you learn more together, you'll be better. That is one of our goals with it. So this time, A very good friend of mine, David Lewis, who is the CEO and founder of DemandGen, is again, just like last year, collaborating with me on this amazing series. David, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Sangram. So glad to be back. I feel like whenever you and I do these collaborations, it's a little bit like, uh, well, maybe Justin Bieber and Chance the Rapper. Which one do you want to be? I I can't Uh, sing, so I'll take I'll take chance.
2: Well, the fun part is people are going to hear this every single time when we do the entire series, because you're going to have 10 of your episode, the best of the best episodes, and you're calling it the Marketing Power Player. So Dave, just share a little bit about who you're interviewing, what these uh, episodes are all going to be about.
0: Will do. Thanks so much, guys, for uh, for being with me on this TakeOver series. I'm really proud to bring you guys some incredible leaders from our series. If you guys are not already subscribing to Demand Gen Radio, look it up. These are some of the top 10 episodes that ran in 2020. And you've got people like Heidi Malin, who is one of the top CMOs uh, around the world. Career lessons from her, Naomi Liu, who is over at EFI. She runs marketing operations there. And she's talking about a marketing automation migration that they did. Michael Madden over at Adobe on how Marketo actually does demand generation. Folks like Joe Payone at Splunk on how to build a successful demand generation strategy. David Eldred on the power of marketing driving revenue and Rob Boyce around ramping up marketing during a downturn. So many other great episodes as well, but just a really, I, I hand selected a series of episodes that not only did great on our channel, Sangram, but the content is so relevant and so important to your audience.
2: Oh, man, I I love that. I can't wait to jump into it. This is a full on series that I really wanted people to take a take a look into. So folks, uh, if you are listening this introduction for the first time, just know this is a whole series in the show notes, you're going to see more information about how do you go and check out David's uh, radio. Uh, you can also look at all the YouTube series that they have started, which seems to be going really, really well. So, all those details will be in the show notes. It will also tell you is this the first of the series or the 10th of the series? So, make sure you check the show notes out and make sure you follow Dave Lewis. Dave, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, guys.
0: All right. Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. As you just heard today, I am joined by Naomi Liu, and when I say I am joined by, uh, we're here in San Francisco. It is Dreamforce Week 2019. She and I are both here. We both arrived in the city yesterday, and uh, after this, we're going to be heading down going to the conference. I want to talk to you a little bit about Naomi before I introduce her, which she's sitting right across from me. And let me let me set the stage. We are—I don't know—is this a parlor? I think it's a parlor uh, at the Saint the King George hotel, King George, King George, right off Mason street. And it's actually a cute little suite and a little parlor. It's nicely decorated. It has a little feel of royalty. They're living up to their brand, but it is in a sketchy part of San Francisco. (laughs) I mean, if any of you know where the Mason diner is, it's right next to that on Mason street. And I think right below us is, uh, all kinds of illegal stuff being sold on the street. It's it's scary and and mm-hmm. wafts of stuff that, uh, well, now legal in California. Uh, let's let's just say we're we're in an interesting part of town. Although a block from Moscone Center and around the corner from the San Francisco Hilton. But without further ado, Naomi, thank you for, Ubering on over and joining me here for this is my first ever hotel suite podcast that I've ever recorded.
1: Well, I'm I'm honored. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. Uh, let me tell you guys how Naomi and I got to know each other. Um, today is, is really a celebration for us because this relationship and this podcast has been a year in the making, a year plus. One day I get a phone call and it was about a company called EFI where Naomi is and runs uh, marketing operations there. She uh, had been using a platform that we'll talk about for quite some time and had made the decision to migrate to another platform. And she was on her fact-finding mission of what should we do? Should we hire an agency? Um, How do we approach this project? That type of stuff. So that's how we got to know each other And Naomi, I just, since it is a celebration day for me, I don't know how you feel like this is, this is, I wanted her to do this podcast throughout the journey. uh, And she's like, nope, we're going to do it when things are complete and we'll tell the story then. So does it feel like a celebration to you?
1: It definitely does. It's a, it's been a, it's been a wild ride, been a wild, crazy year, but I think it's definitely time to tell the story.
0: But when normally when you celebrate, like when you actually have a celebration, you like you, you there's confetti, there's balloons, there's, there's something. We, we, we don't seem to have that.
1: No, we don't. I was expecting an ice bucket with champagne. You were? No.
0: (laughs) Oh, well, I would hate to disappoint you. Um, you know, you, you saw the wizard of Oz though, right? So in the wizard of Oz, you know, at the end of the show, she looks behind the curtain and finds the wizard, Right. And and I'm a little bit of your wizard because you listen to the podcast all the time. And, I do. And I'm I'm just Dave. Like I'm just the podcast guy. Now you're here doing it with me. But we should have that champagne. So would you look behind that curtain right there?
1: Oh, you do. I what? do. This is amazing. What is this? Oh, there is a very large black box, Dom Pérignon. This is this is this is awesome.
0: So we may not this, drink it now. No, it's but like
1: that's for you. Ten in the morning. <laughs>
0: it's Ten in the morning. Yeah, we probably should not drink it now. Thank you. I am so proud of you, and I'm so proud of the work that your team has done. And it, it really um, let's let's not trivialize this effort, and let's let's jump into it in a little bit. But before. You know, when, I, when you first call it showed up to me, like I remember that very first screen share and I said, OK, she doesn't know me. I don't know her. I said, Naomi, can you take me into the current system that you're using and show us around? Because I want to see what you've done. I keep in mind, a lot of marketers may have a platform like you did for 10 years and all they do is batch and blast marketing. So they're like, oh, yeah, our migration, like we don't pretty much need to move anything. We'll just like set up some new templates, some new landing pages, change our forms out on our website and, and a few other key tasks. And I said, can you walk me through? And then you took me on this journey through the platform I remember that. for like an hour Yeah. program after program, after program, after program. And these flows like picture, lucid chart or Visio or whatever, but massive multi-touch programs. Systemic programs that were always on programs that you had created over a decade, and you're like, "We need to move this," and I'm like, "Oh my god, this is this is not an apartment <laughs> move. This is like a massive estate that we need to back the trucks up mm-hmm. to, take inventory of, figure out what you're going to get rid of it, and move." It's so, not even
1: a renovation. It's like a full down tear down reconstruction.
0: <laughs> totally, yeah. But before we go to that, like, who are you? Like, how did you land in what you do? And you are this incredible right brain and left brain marketer. And I just, uh, I'd love to know your backstory.
1: My origin story? Yes, your my origin, origin story. story. So if we're going, we're going way back, go way back then. I would say that I grew up in a, I would, a pretty tech forward household, right? So my dad was definitely a technophile and I had access to a lot of hardware and software as a kid. And so while my friends were outside, playing, getting sun, right. I'm inside teaching myself, you know, how to code HTML, how to use Photoshop. And I think back then it was like Photoshop four or something. Right. I remember when Photoshop five and six came out and the magnetic lasso tool came out. I was like, that changed my life. Game changer. Game changer. Right. And so, you know, teaching yourself HTML back then I was creating websites on geo cities. Now that's a have you heard that?
0: Oh, you know, I, I do know Geo-Cities. GeoCities. We're going, we're going way back. <laughs> but know. you know what? Now I think we were having a glass of wine in Vegas one time, and you told me why you were building that GeoCities website. Oh so, no! Come on, no, go there. <laughs> <laughs> I think, as I remember, you were like a huge Backstreet Boy. Oh my gosh, we're fangirl? going there! Yes, yeah, yes. And you were building a GeoCities like fan site. Back back. All right.
1: I neither confirm nor deny, but okay. <laughs>
0: please continue.
1: So, um, yeah, so just in a short period of time, I just, I had built a lot of websites, just kind of practicing and different topics. And there's two in mind that I just, I, I still remember. Um, one of them was a GeoCity site called what it's worth. And I was a huge fan of the antiques roadshow back then. And so what I would do is I would get, take pictures of stuff in my parents' house, my friend's parents' house, um, flea markets, thrift stores, garage sales, and put them on the website and try to figure out what it's worth. Is it worth something? I don't know. It was kind of my own mini version of the Antiques Roadshow in like my corner of the internet. And it was something that, you know, if I didn't love technology so much, I would, I want to be the host of the Antiques Roadshow. Wow. <laughs> that would, that was my dream it's job a as a kid. aspiration. Definitely. You know, they're coming back to Boston. I did not know that. In 2020, i Mark Wahlberg is the host. Wow. I know. So if Mark Wahlberg's is listening to this podcast and you need a co-host, call me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have a, I have a second level connection to Mark. Let's see if we can make that happen.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, so I, so as we kind of progress, so I, I was building websites on GeoCities, moved to WordPress, and then eventually taught myself um, back when Flash was still, a, Flash animations on sites was still a really big thing. Yeah. I taught myself ActionScript because I was making these fancy, you know, fancy graphics or what I thought were fancy graphics at the time, because, you know, my websites were black background, white text, anything that could flash was flashing, Ooh. you know, text links flashing Remember those types of sites. That's, back That then? was yeah. what you had.
0: It looked like definitely like 70s retro disco For flashing sure. everything. Yeah.
1: And then I also had a site that was my namesake because I also loved photography at the time. Right. I still do. And it was something that I use kind of as like a I guess you could say a mini portfolio of sorts, Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just something that you know I would take pictures, I'd put them up onto the site, and it was just kind of like my own little presence on on the internet. And you know, fast forward towards end of high school, I and keep in mind all of this is happening, and I'm making all of this stuff. I think I was like eleven or twelve at the time, right? So it wasn't impressive. Wasn't like last year, but (laughs) this is like yeah, I was eleven or twelve.
0: I was picturing like your toy room, like you know when kids grow up, they (laughs) have like you know their their uh, play school toys and that type of stuff. Like mm-hmm. when you were talking about your dad and access to all this technology, like I, I pictured you like in a little lab, like this. It was th- kind
1: of like that. Really? It, it honestly was. It was, I would, I remember going downstairs to my dad's office and it was just kind of like, he was, he was a, he was a, he was a, he was a gearhead for sure, nice. you know? And um, I, I feel fortunate because I had access to this stuff, but it just was something that I enjoyed playing with. I, instead of playing with Barbies, I was playing with my Mac. Well, cer- <laughs> right?
0: certainly has 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 paid its dividends.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, you know, towards the end of high school, I kind of had to figure out what I wanted to do, right? And it was one of those things where I had a very, I, I have strong technical aptitude for sure, and I really enjoyed the technical aspect, coding, learning HTML, doing all of that stuff. But I also have a very, like you mentioned, the right brain, left brain side. I also have a very um, creative, abstract, like graphic design, um, you know, passion. And I thought, okay, maybe advertising is something that I want to get into. Mm -hmm. So I actually, and I don't think I've actually ever told anybody this, but I actually applied when I applied for university, I applied to two very separate, different schools for two very different majors. Okay. So I applied to Emily Carr Institute of Art and Design, which is, I guess in California, similar is, I don't know, Cal, Cal Arts or Institute of Arts or Uh, something
0: like that. Yeah. I, the Institute of Fine Arts or I, California, California Academy. Something like that. that Yeah. Yeah. So you applied there. I
1: did. And I was going to go into like, it's a type of school where you can get a degree in photography and graphic design, industrial design. So I, I thought, you know, that's, that's sounds amazing. I'm going to go into advertising and do commercials or something like that. Right. Yeah. And then I also applied to Simon Fraser University. Um, and my declared major there was computer science. Wow. So I was literally at a fork in the road. I could go to Emily Carr and go into the creative side, or I could go to SFU and I was planning to be a software developer. Right. And so um, long story short, I got into SFU, Emily Carr. After a few rounds, I went for my portfolio review. So I'm there, bring my book. I'm all nervous. And yeah. there's a lady who's looking at my work. Yeah. And she's not saying anything. She's just kind of flipping the pages. Hmm. Hmm. And then she closes the book and she looks at me. And I'm Were sitting, these
0: all Backstreet Boy landing <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No. And um, actually, maybe that would have changed things. But um, so at the end of it, she looks at me and she's like, you know, has her hands underneath her chin. I still remember this very distinctly. She's like, sweetie, are you sure this is what you want to do? <laughs> and at that moment, I'm just like, okay, well, I know I'm not getting in. Right. And so, you know, now looking back, hindsight 2020, right? So looking back, because I can teach myself software, Photoshop, I think at the time was page maker Mm -hmm. before in design, Photoshop, page maker, illustrator. I'm really good at teaching myself how to use software, but that doesn't make me a graphic designer, right? Just like someone who knows how to put together a plane, it doesn't make them a pilot, right? So I went to SFU, um, with the intention of being a software developer. So that's it, you know, and I think about this a lot because I think about, you know, what happened, what would have happened with my life or career if I had gone the other direction, but I like. Uh, I like to think that, you know, fate can be funny and I probably still would have come full circle and come back to marketing ops because the technical piece would yeah. still be something that I'd want to do. Yeah. I often think about where my life would have been if I had gone the other direction. And I like to think that fate is a thing. And if I had gone in the other direction, I still would have come back to marketing ops because I would have wanted the technical piece. Yeah. So that whole left brain, right brain
0: situation. And and you have a blend of both. I mean, you love photography. So you have an art eye. I mean, I don't know if, you know, whatever the most prestigious photo award, whatever is, but like, I mean, for anybody listening, I, I know I bring a lot of people onto the podcast and I know I look, work with some incredibly talented people. If you're sitting in front of a computer or a place you can write this down, go get connected with Naomi on LinkedIn and, and add her to your network because Naomi, you're one of the smartest and most talented marketing operations people that I've worked with and my team has worked with. And that's, it's, you, it's no platitude I mean, you are incredibly good at what you do. And we'll talk more about just not your technical acumen, but the way that you have integrated yourself into the organization. It's, 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 it's really cool to watch and, and see and be, be a part of it. We'll come back to that. So I want you to be connected to Naomi because one day when you're looking for a rock star in your organization, uh, and EFI will probably hate me for saying this, but like, th- this is the person you want to have on your team. She's amazing. Uh, and you'll hear more why. Um, we have a lot of parallels, which, uh, you know, maybe we haven't chatted as much about it. Uh, I started in computer science and loved coding as a kid. Your key part in your origin story that took you down the path was that that interview and where she said, "Honey, have you are you, are you sure are this you? is
1: what you want to do?" <laughs> yeah. I I I think about that every so often. So
0: I was sitting next to I I don't know if he was Chinese Japanese he was definitely Asian in the computer lab mm-hmm. and I'm writing code and I ask him a question because I'm trying to I, w- I loved creating video games so anytime I had a project at college for computer science I was making some type of game or game algorithm whatever and I asked him. And he knew the mathematical formula and how to do this so fast. And I'm like, oh my God, he's so much fricking smarter than me. I'm never going to be top in, in this area. So that day I decided that I would go switch my major to business because I figured business is the way the world works. I'll learn sales and marketing and learn other parts of business. So I'll work with guys like that guy to come up with these products and bring them to market. And so, you know, just to... For, for me, like if I started my marketing career over, I don't know if I would have stayed on the path as I did to become CMO and lead marketing organizations. Um, I think I would have taken a more similar path to you and, and become a really exceptional uh, head of marketing operations, because I love the tech, but who knows, I can't go back in time, but I, I enjoy hearing your stories. What happened next?
1: So I, I same thing, parallels, right? So I switched to communications and the reasons that I switched to communications and I focused on marketing is because, so at the time I was really, really passionate about taking pictures, photography, honing my craft. And I started, you might've heard this company that um was kind of making it big. I think this was two thousand early 2000s, late 1990s eBay. <laughs> they were kind of making heard a name them. for themselves. Yeah. Might've heard of them. Um, so I I was actually a really early adopter and I started putting my photos on eBay and selling them. And I actually developed a pretty, I would say, you know, maybe not today, a huge following, but back then it was a pretty big following. And I started selling a lot of my prints online and I was showing prints um, in the city at coffee shops and restaurants that wanted local artists. And it was actually probably my first foray into email marketing because i had developed kind of a list or a base of uh people who were interested in my work that wanted to buy them and past customers and so i would send emails to my customers basically telling them whenever i had new work and they would want to buy it and wow. so i was actually such a big um user of ebay that when they came they actually opened a office in vancouver um this was i think in like the late 1990s or early 2000s, they opened an office and they actually called me. And this was back when you would answer every call that you got on your phone because it was exciting to get a call on your cell phone, even if you didn't know who it was. (laughs) And I remember I was going to Canada Post to mail like another set of packages to people who had bought stuff from me. And um, I got a call and I answered it and it was actually eBay. And they were like, hey, you know, we're opening an office in Vancouver and we think that you'd be, you know, great to come work for us because you're like such a big user of our platform. And we want to, we want to talk about you coming in and, and working with us. That's very cool. Yeah. But I was also full-time in school. Yeah. So I had to turn it down. Right. I'm like, I'm not going to drop out of university to, you know, but it actually caused me to think, you know, is software development what I want to do? And, and it clearly was not something that, you know, I felt super passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I switched to comms. Yeah. Nice that's kind of what caused my, my switch. Yeah.
0: How'd you land at uh, EFI?
1: So, um, so my first um, technology job or tech job actually was at a company called Verichip and they did human implantable RFIDs, which wow, I know. Really? Yes. They're no longer. Human implantable yes, RFIDs. Human implantable for, RFIDs, for what, RFIDs. For what purpose? For medical purposes. Okay. They're no longer in business. They're, they've dissolved, but wow. what they were, were they, it, it was a chip that had an ID that you could implant under your skin. And the idea was that you would walk into any, you know, urgent care or hospital or medical office and get it scanned and all your patient records would come up. Your medical history would come up. Yeah.
0: So clever idea. Maybe they were ahead of their time.
1: Yeah. I kind of think so. Um, It, and it was great. I was there and I definitely exercised that whole right brain, left brain thing where, you know, I was helping them with their graphic design. I was helping them with, you know, maintaining their website, creating flash graphics. And yeah, it was great. It was kind of my first foray into, you know, what is it like to kind of, you know, every day was different, right? Every day was, um, okay, we're having a trade show soon. So we need to like develop all the graphics and do the layouts for the data sheets and the, all the brochures. And then the next day was, you know, you got to help us like revamp the website or, or do do coding for this page that's not working properly or add some animations or flash onto there. Um, And then after Verichip, I went to a company called Sophos. And Sophos is a security software and hardware company. And how I started there was, I had a friend who worked there and he reached out to me and said, hey, so um, the company that I work for is looking for someone to, in their words, help them send emails.
0: Help them send emails.
1: (laughs) Help them send emails. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I, I know that you're a pretty technical person and it's on the marketing team. So I thought, I thought that you'd be really great for this role. So I applied, I got it. And wait,
0: let's just pause there. Your Mm. qualification skill was that you could send email. I mean, talk (laughs) about like when companies looking for like that, that was your, you know, you were, that was your David Copperfield. Like you could send email.
1: This was in 2007. 2007, they needed somebody to help them build and send emails. Right. Because, and I had, I can do that. I'm like, I can do that. You know, I, I I know how to code HTML. I can send emails and I've done that. So, um, I started at Sophos and it was, and you know, (laughs) I was listening to one of your other podcasts, Ian's, Ian Brown. yeah, And he mentioned market first, pivotal Mm -hmm. market first. And I, when I listened to that, I started laughing so hard because I've never met anybody else that has used the tool. And when I started at Sophos, they had pivotal market first, wow. right? It was this tool that they had bought that nobody knew how to use. Um, so I came in and honestly, it was like the wild, wild West of email marketing back then. Um it, what is Castle? What is GDPR? Two hundred thousand emails on a Friday afternoon to prospects. Sure, what could go wrong? Let's yeah. just hit send.
0: Let's hit right? the send. Button. It
1: just and and then I'm going to go home for the weekend. Yeah, and hope nothing happens.
0: And then do it again next week. <laughs> Pretty much because email is free, right? We exactly. can We can just keep sending them emails exactly. until they eventually buy exactly. Or do whatever we're trying to get them to do.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. um, that was that was an interesting time for sure. And then a couple of years later, in 2009, we um, bought and implemented. Mm Neolane, which was subsequently acquired by Adobe and then rebranded to Adobe Campaign. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and did you join EFI because you had experience in Adobe Campaign?
1: So was that your
0: quality? Not that you could send emails, (laughs) but do you know Adobe Campaign? What, what, what was, what, what got you over to, to EFI?
1: Yeah. So after Sophos, I, I joined EFI in 2013 and um, there was a, the hiring manager there at the time was, um, a woman that I knew and I just, I wanted to learn from her, mm-hmm. right. She was someone that She's i thought, Mentor, coach, mentor, so, yeah. definitely. Um, and they also and I knew her because we had met at the Neil Lane slash Adobe campaign conference. And so that's kind of how I made that transition over.
0: And So just doing the math real quick, if that was around 2000, uh, you said 13. Yes. So, and they had been using Adobe campaign about 10 years, right. When the migration was approaching. So they had it for a few years before you got there and then you took it over and, and yeah. ran things for you know five years,
1: four to five years. Yeah.
0: What, what happened? Um, so things are going along. Uh, we'll, t- we'll talk about how, how much technical debt you had, cause you guys really moved into a ton, Adobe. Yeah. Ed, ed, ed. So what happened in 2018 last year that triggered this? I think it's time for us to look at a different platform.
1: Yeah. So, um, You know, Adobe Campaign has had had a very long history at EFI. And in 2018, I knew that our contract for Campaign was going to be up um, in about 12 months. Mm -hmm. And it was really time that I decided that we need to look at what other options are out there. Number one, because um, Adobe Campaign, the version that we were on, the classic version, didn't integrate into the other Tools in our Martech stack. Okay. Um, the lead management module also was something that they had decided to end of life, mm-hmm. and so there was, you know, if you had or if you had been on the tool and you have the lead management module, you're grandfathered in. Which, okay. But there's no like in future enhancements or improvements. It's just break fixes. Um, and so it was just, I think it was just a natural time. And you had
0: the on-prem version. We too. had
1: the no, it was hosted.
0: Oh, you okay? Yeah. It was hosted. It
1: was hosted. Yeah. Um. So it just, it was just a natural like decision to make that. Yes, we, you know, we need to do our due diligence and make sure that, you know, and if it came back, that campaign was still the, you know, right tool for us. Like we would have made that decision too. But um, so we did a full vendor evaluation last year, kicked it off in April, evaluated all of the big players. And um, in the summer, end of the summer, we decided that we would go with Marketo. Yeah. It
0: mm-hmm. was a long process. I have a, a client of mine right now, a company that I've worked with. And, and we've worked with for a long time. And what's happening right now is as they're doing the same thing with you, their, their platform is coming up for renewal in beginning part of 2020. So not as, not as planned out as you are. And they've already decided that we're probably going to stay on what we have because from a time frame perspective, because like you, they, they had a lot in their current system, have a lot in their current system. IT is kind of forcing them to take a very strong look at Pardot. Uh, because they use Salesforce and Salesforce is saying, you use Salesforce if you guys are thinking of making a move. Here's Pardot, Pardot we'll give you a, a great deal on it and, and such. Was was any of that happening there at EFI as well?
1: Definitely. And I think there's something to be said about, you know, getting one invoice from one vendor, you know, one PO. It's, you know, it's, we have a very long standing relationship with Salesforce, but at the end of the day, you know, I had my, I had my list of requirements. I wrote the entire RFP, all of yeah. the, you know, I, I wrote it. I spent countless hours, you know, I think there was like 108 use cases and requirements that we had. That was frightening when we got it. Yeah. You know, we got a copy yeah. of it
0: and said, okay, what are you looking to do?
1: <laughs> and I was like,
0: okay, yeah." Th- there's a lot going on here.
1: Yeah. So it, I knew what we needed in order to meet the needs of the business. And it was just really about staying the course and, and feeling like, okay, you know, is this solution going to be what's best for My marketing business partners and is it going to be something that's going to help us scale, not just for the next year, but the next, you know, five, 10 years? And yeah, yeah, that's why we decided to go with Marketo.
0: Well, so one of the comments I made earlier just about your skill set and expertise. I mean, you made the process for us working together, you know, quite easy because you had so much planned. You you inventoried and knew what you had in the current instance and you were extremely well integrated. I mean, I haven't seen a marketing operations person or team is very rare. There's a few of you that are so well integrated with sales, with IT, your business partners, and with other parts of the organization. And this was not a, a project that just marketing was doing. Yes, you're leading the initiative to find the right infrastructure, but you involved everyone in the process and really did a great job uh, evangelizing the why and uh, evangelizing what you guys were looking for and, and, and doing that. Um, and so like, as you took us on that, that, you know, Willy Wonka tour of your current instance of Adobe campaign and showed us literally hundreds of programs and assets and everything that needed to get moved. Um, my team was really, it was easy, easier for us to scope what the engagement should look like because of the homework and planning that you did. So thank you for that. And then the, and then the process kicked off and it was, I think we, you know, it was a long process going through the, the contracting. There's a lot going on, as you remember in your organization, I think you were bringing a new CEO at the time, or right around there, a lot happening. Uh, just uh, for those not tracking, EFI they actually uh, went through an acquisition uh, this year by a private equity company. So Naomi's been navigating a lot of um, organizational change that had been happening while these projects are going on. So we we kicked off in I think it was January,
1: of, January, yeah, January yeah. So of,
0: of, of this year. Of we 2019.
1: had yeah. So when you want to talk about ten years of technical of technical debt, yeah we had to do the migration in six months. Yeah. Right. And you to,
0: made that clear. Mm-hmm. This to, party's got to start because mm-hmm. we've got stuff to do at the end of the year. Exactly. That we not only have to migrate because of our contract, but we can't be in a place where there's any vulnerability to the work we have to get done later in the year.
1: And to put it in perspective, okay, in those six months, we had to also continue being a high output team for the business and still execute all of their campaigns yeah. and all of the we still had our day jobs to do. Right. And we had even more so because the company had growth plans. Right. And, you know, at the same time, also learn a new platform, which is not easy either. Right. Because you're used to doing some things a certain way for X number of years. And then you have to learn how to almost translate it in your mind into a new, completely different process and then do the actual migration as well. But then also make sure that the business is close enough to this project that they don't feel like they're being left behind and mm-hmm. that they have a say in the decision making process as well. Mm-hmm. And bringing them along that journey and that they're close enough to it that they feel like they're also helping to deliver this project, but not so close to it that it's decision by committee and you're actually slowing down the entire process. Because six yeah. months will went by extremely quickly. Yeah.
0: And we've, we've done migrations in four weeks and we've done migrations like yours in in six months, not typically too much longer than that. And you had a lot to move and a lot to rebuild and a lot to learn at the same time. Where did the, where did the impetus to have such a great partnership with IT come from? And because I saw it and experienced (laughs) it with this project, but I imagine that started before you guys have done other things together Mm -hmm. that you have those really solid partnerships and trust between folks like John, who I absolutely loved getting to know and working with, and he's a super busy guy doing massive integrations and in Italy regularly, but he trusts you and respects you. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if that's what we need to do, if that's what you think, Naomi, you know, he, he just doesn't hand you the keys to, to the kingdom, but where, where's that partnership? How was that developed?
1: I think it, I think it developed over, over time organically. And I think part of it is because, um, I do have that technical aptitude. So I am able to speak to my IT business partners in a way that really makes sense to them. Right. But I'm also able to um, translate their needs and their asks back to the business in business terms. And I kind of straddle that line. Right. Like I, I feel sometimes like I'm a a translator between IT and the business. I take business requirements, bring it to IT in terms that, you know, make sense for what they need and then vice versa. but I'm also able to see, I think, four to five steps down the line to identify potential points of failure, right? That if you're only seeing it from the IT side or the business side, you might not see, okay, well, this is danger, danger. This is, this might not work because of X, Y, and Z, but because I can see both sides and I can speak to it. Um, And I think I've kind of earned that trust or that respect from my IT team that um, they're, I'm just really close with them. And when I visit headquarters, I actually sit with IT. I don't sit with marketing.
0: Wow! Yeah, really. I do. That's where you go I and know. sit. It, let Let's uh, let's actually underscore that. So you live in Vancouver. I do, and uh, you come down. What What's the frequency? How many times a year do you come down?
1: Um, I would say it. It depends on the project, right? Obviously, over the course of this migration, it was a lot more, but maybe every other month.
0: Every other month. Yeah. So you've you've uh, been there six years. You have a phenomenal reputation across the organization. Even you know the CRO CRO uh, Frank and and you like great relationship. The other Frank, uh, former head of marketing, um, you guys have a great relationship. And you're remote, and they have so much respect, and so much trust, and so much appreciation for the work that you do. And I just I think as the world is moving more and more remote to remote workers, um, there there's a lot you could share and stories you could about how to be um, such a respected leader and contributor to an organization while still being remote. Mm-hmm. And, and you, y- yes, there was a little bit more frequency, as you said, probably to, to this project, you coming down, but you did this migration six months, primarily remote mm-hmm. and orchestrating that across not just the marketing team, but the other departments as well. Let's talk about Las Vegas uh, because at some point in this project, I want to actually. I want to talk about the tech stack too, because it wasn't just the migration of a marketing automation system. But at some point, you reached out to me, and I don't know what it was. um, So I'd love to know that you placed a call and said, "Hey, Dave, I could use your help with something," and and that landed us in Las Vegas together with with you, uh, your company, and your entire sales organization and the marketing organization. What what? How'd you wake up that morning and and reach out to me?
1: So how that ended up happening is in 2018 the vendor evaluation, the approval to acquire Marketo, and then the, um, you know, deciding that we were going to sign DemandGen for our implementation partner. We've been talking about Marketo for the good part of the year. And I think a lot of people were getting Marketo fatigue, right? Okay. Yes, there's this tool we're talking about. It's a tool, but it's this, you know, pie in the sky. Like, what does it actually mean if it comes into the company? And so. In January of every year, we have our worldwide sales and marketing kickoff and our user conference. And my boss at the time was looking for a uh, a keynote speaker, right? And he reached out to me and he's like, Naomi, I'm having a hard time finding a keynote speaker, someone that's really going to motivate and inspire our sales and marketing team and all of the surrounding players. And, you know, we want somebody that's an industry expert. Do you know somebody? And I'm like yes, right. I know exactly who I, sh- I will ask. So that's how I ended up calling you because um, I just thought it would, it was kind of a great transition because we were transitioning as a company off of, from one product onto another that would impact a lot of areas of the business. And I thought it would just be a really great kind of intro to this like new digital wave at EFI to have you come on board and inspire, and, and you did inspire our sales organization. Definitely. Thank you.
0: Yeah. It was, it was an honor for you to make the ask. Uh, it was kind of that point in our working relationship where I realized, you know, trust had been established and that I personally could help you in addition to the work the team was doing. So thank you for doing that. And I loved doing it. Um, It became more than I expected. Um, I thought I would just go there and do a keynote and then uh Frank and Frank reached out and said hey look we we need help with our content we want to bring a message to the organization about digital transformation uh and that's second nature to you Dave but how would you recommend that we approach it and set the stage for that so as you know I worked on their slides and worked on their content and in addition to my presentation and so you know we did this uh like peanut butter and jelly sandwich I don't know who's the bread and and who's the the middle but it was it was Frank me and Frank I remember telling you like We have to brace for impact because I want to show specific slides of what Salesforce will look like post Marketo implementation. And here's what's going to happen, Naomi, right? They're going to be so excited by what they see. They're going to walk out of the room and go, when are we going to have that? Like they, they they're going to be impatient. And so we had to be really careful about like, it's like advertising, you know, Star Wars a year in advance, right? We're like showing sales, like game-changing UI and ways that they're going to be able to drive. More revenue and better pipeline and all the lead management capability. So it was super fun. Thank you for letting me do that. Someone reached out uh, three weeks ago. I have a call next week because they have a sales and marketing, primarily sales kickoff happening in February, and they've they've uh, they've reached out and they're looking for speakers. And so we had our first date conversation to see if it's it's right. Not, you know I'll let you know if I'll let you know if it happens. But same type of thing. And I I haven't worked with them, so they're not mm-hmm. a client. But somehow they oh they were referred by by Jill Rowley. Um, which was cool. She, she passed on the gig and she said, I know a guy that you should, you should talk to um, stack. Let's, let's talk about the stack. You, you have a lot of tools. And when we were going through the migration, you said there's a number of key ingredients, key tools and technologies mm-hmm. that we use and depend on that. We got to make sure integrate with Marketo and and we do that. Um, can you chat a little bit about those tools and and how that part went in terms of the integration? And do you feel like for any of them that you're you're in a better place than where you were um, having a a new updated marketing automation system and and these tools. Definitely.
1: Yeah. So I I would say that the two big ones for us, well, we do a lot of webinars, right. For our software business unit. And for us a big, one of the things that took up a ton of our time was just the lack of integration between our um, webinar tool and our marketing automation system. So one of the first things we did was integrate our Webex system into Marketo. And that has been a huge time saver because it just, everything just talks to each other. There's no more like, exactly. There's no more downloading lists, uploading lists, cleaning lists, making sure there's no duplicates. Oops, we created duplicates. Let's delete this list now and put it back in. Um, So that was, that was great. And it's something that, you know, I know that the team really appreciates because it's just allowing us to free up our time to do more, you know, strategic things. Um, Another piece was our integration into Informatica, Mm -hmm. right? I don't think that, I don't think your team actually had ever come across an Informatica integration.
0: I don't know is the answer. I mean, yeah. Five, 600 clients. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I would think maybe probably not the team that you worked with if it didn't come up. Right. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. So that was definitely something that was a first both on our end. And I, I think it it was something that um, when we had done the evaluation with Marketo, that was the biggest, um, that was the biggest piece. It was the data model for us. Yeah. And um, that integration is working seamlessly right now. So, yes. Yeah.
0: You're a big data geek, so let's come back to that and let's talk Mm -hmm. about data in in, uh, a little bit. How would you say your view of Marketo is now as a client and using the system versus the demo stage, the the courting and dating stage of what you saw? I'd love to hear about that.
1: I'm full on drinking the coolie, Dave. Wow. Or, or the champagne, I guess. This, yeah, I have sh- the champagne, champagne right here, you know, <laughs> I could pop if, a glass right if, now. If
0: we go long enough, it's, <laughs> it's going to be noon and well, yeah. somewhere it's noon yeah. in the world.
1: So I, so no, to be, to be serious. So I, so I don't, in, in my opinion, I don't think there is a marketing automation tool that is going to meet the needs of a hundred percent of any business, especially one to EFI size and complexity, right? Let's say there'll be a tool that will get you 85% of the way there. And that's kind of what I had in mind during the evaluation phase. Right. What, what, like, I'm not looking for a tool to meet all of and check all of my boxes. Right. I am looking for a tool that's going to get me almost all the way there that remaining 15%. And I, I wanted the vendors to be very transparent about what they could and could not do. Just because you can't do something, it's not a black market against you. I just want to know so I can prepare for it right during the implementation and the migration phase. So that 15% difference, what I needed to do was, do we need to customize the system to meet our business requirements? Or can we look at the business requirements and change our process? Because are we doing something because we've always done it this way? Mm -hmm. Or are we doing it because it's something that is like unique to our core business. And we absolutely have to do it this way. Otherwise things will go on fire. Right. And so it was really kind of that question period where I was like looking at everything from, you know, pulling it all apart, speaking to the business who had those requirements, like, do we need to do it this way? Can we do it this way? What does this mean? Um, I want as little customization as possible. And when we do customize, it has to make sense for the business.
0: Nice. So, so to put a, to put a bow, I'm glad to hear you're a fan, I'm glad to hear it's, mm-hmm. it's meeting or exceeding expectations. And um, we'll sync up this week while we're both here at Dreamforce together. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sure we'll see a lot of eye candy here in terms of technology and and other stuff that we can pair notes. You asked me about uh, direct mail. Um, you know, so you're looking at a tool to do print on demand and, and uh, direct mail on demand. So I'm, I'm sure before the end of the year or early part of next year, that'll get integrated your stack as well, which is which is cool. Um so so put a wrapper on it. If someone was approaching a migration and people do regularly, what advice would you give to folks listening in terms of key steps, key milestones? Do the following um one I heard for example was get in front of this, plan, plan it out, don't wait. But what what's your what's your list off off the cuff?
1: Mm -hmm. Well I think the first thing to understand is like, are you migrating from an existing platform or are you going net new from nothing? And I think that if you are migrating from an existing platform, um, depending on how integrated that tool is into your existing stack, you could just potentially do, you know, a brand new and, and migrate things piece by piece as you go. But if you were have a lot of tech technical debt like we did and you have to do the migration in a short period of time. So what I did um, and how I kind of structured those six months was, you know, Jennifer, you're the project manager that you assigned to us is amazing. And she really helped to keep me on track and make sure that we hit all of our key milestones. But, um, what I did was I assembled a, I guess you could call it a task force, right? It was one representative from each of the business partners that I worked with. Um, everyone from, um, you know, all of the marketing managers from each region and all of the Um, uh, product marketing managers from each business unit, there was one representative and they would then, their job was to then go back and speak to their teams about the updates that were happening. And so we would have this steering call every week and I scheduled them so that they were always one week behind where we were in the project plan. Mm -hmm. So when I had meetings with your team and there were decisions that we needed to make, then I would immediately write out and I did them back to back. I would immediately have a meeting with my steering committee. And I had a three part deck, right? So the first part was, this is what's happened since the last time we met. The next part was, this; these are the decisions that we need to make as a company in order to proceed forward. And then the third part was homework, right? So these are the pieces that we need to make the decisions on. I need your feedback or to sign off. And what was really important and made sure that we met our six month milestone was I didn't, give the homework as a blank piece of paper, right? Because for example, one of the items that we needed to discuss were what were the fields that you want on the preference center, Mm -hmm. right? If it was just a blank piece of paper, that would itself would take six months for, you know, eight business, eight different people to decide six business units, plus all of the miscellaneous um, groups that we support. So what I would do is I would give, this is my suggestion, agree or disagree say yes or no sign off yes or no um if you have feedback just add to it but if you kind of bring them like 95 percent of the way there it goes much faster yeah
0: setting them up for success setting expectations and and giving them aids uh what other suggestions you have to to approach a a migration project
1: really understand your data data is a huge piece because 10 years on one platform the amount of duplicates dirty data bad data invalid data that we had was significant. And so myself and the team, we viewed this migration as a chance to leave the dead weight behind.
0: Nice. Definitely. Let's talk about data since since uh since data I I wanna I want to replay the conversation we had about uh at the beach if you remember playing digging in the sand. Um I I'm going to make sure in 2020 that I bring the data-driven aspect of marketing much louder and front and center, because I think it's time that all of us, all of us in sales and marketing recognize how critical data is to our success. Like you can't do good marketing and you can't do good sales. And and when I say marketing, I don't mean just net new demand creation, as I like to call it, but demand expansion within your customer base. If your data sucks, everything sucks and you can't report you, you, if you're going to do direct mail and you have bad addresses, the cost of sending direct, you know, direct mail to bad addresses, the cost of sending emails to invalid addresses and what it does to your sender score, um, the cost, the infrastructure cost of a Marketo license. If you have, well, you guys have had, it was like over a million records in your, in your database. And you're like, I want to drive down the cost of my Marketo license because if I have a smaller database, it's going to save. So we need to do that. So if if everyone needs to be this accountable and responsible about data, why aren't they?
1: Because it's overwhelming. And I think I mentioned this to you in a conversation that we had probably about a month ago that I felt like it was like that movie, the Tom Cruise movie, Edge of Tomorrow.
0: Oh, yeah. Right? That was a good movie.
1: Yeah, it was a good movie. And but that's honestly what I would, I felt like I would on a Friday dedicate a couple hours, an hour or two on a Friday afternoon to cleaning up duplicate dirty data. And I would look at the size of my database. And I was like, okay, wrote that number down on a literally on a piece of paper really come Monday to see what would happen. And it's like two steps forward, five steps back
0: to the movie edge of tomorrow. I always think of that movie as live, die, repeat. That's like, but I think, I think that's, that's the tagline, right? That's yeah. a tagline, which I have, by the way, you know, I'm into drones and I have a, uh, it's, it's build, fly, crash, repeat, or something like that, which is definitely what you do with your drones. You build them, you fly them, you crash them. And then expensive hobby though. Yeah. It, well, you know, it's,
1: especially not, if you crash them. Che-
0: cheaper than golf, way cheaper than golf. True. I mean, yeah, now they're carbon fiber, but we digress. They mm-hmm. don't break as much. So, this whole thing with your data, like you're, you're spending time on a Friday afternoon, cleaning it up and then, you know, come the weekend and come Monday, you felt like you, you hadn't made any progress.
1: No, it would be, it honestly felt like I just was spinning my wheels. I was a hamster in a, in a hamster cage and it just was going nowhere. Or, you know, if I got busy on a Friday and I didn't do it, or I forgot to kind of do my normal routine of data hygiene exercises, it just, it would get out of control. And it, it, yeah, it it was never, I could never get in front of it enough that it felt like I was making a dent in it. And it would honestly feel like I'm taking one step forward, two steps back. Let's
0: you know? talk about the data project. Cause it was, that's, that's the, the latest thing that we have um, done together. Well, we, we got a lot of swim lanes running at the same, mm-hmm. same time. But uh, I don't know, what, was it a podcast or was it a post? How did, how did how did you and I get talking about the data service that we launched?
1: I, yeah, I don't remember what it was. It was either you mentioned it in a podcast or maybe it was like a LinkedIn post, but it was, so we had another tool that would, that helped us with data hygiene and, and deduplication, but it was coming up for renewal. And it was something that I was like, you know, we really kind of need some help with this and we need the ability for us to have something and implement something into our systems, especially something that would in implement into or integrate into Marketo um, to help us with duplicates in Marketo as well. And so that's when I reached out to you and I said, Hey, can you tell me more about this managed data services that you're yeah. starting?
0: Yeah. Well, the idea was, so I, as I was saying, I saw this, you know, we're all needing to be so data driven and yet, um, people feeling defeated like you or just pushing the project aside, like not really dealing with it. And now certainly with compliance and and regulations, we have to be even more accountable to our data. So we launched, as you know, a data MD service. And when I say we've launched, we actually haven't formally told the world. Our website's not even really updated with it. So if anybody's listening to this and says, where can I go get more, reach out to me. I'll tell you more about it, but we'll talk, talk a little bit here, which was We decided to take this very concierge approach, which is let's free our clients from having to go buy technology. Let's free them from having to learn the technology. Let's free them from, you you talked about the send button, like before Mm -hmm. sending hundreds of thousands of emails, if not uh, millions. Everybody has that fear. Data is like at a whole different even level because if you've got a million record database and you go hit the activate program to dedupe the entire database because you've been configuring it, it's a little stressful for people. So we thought, why don't we just have this white glove service that gets everybody's database pristine? And that message resonated with you and you were looking for a new tool. So I said, well, I don't have 10 client references that I can send to you, Naomi, but if you want to be one, Let's do it, do it together. What do you think? How has it gone?
1: I think it's, yeah, I, I love going into the, and I realize how completely nerdy this sounds, but data hygiene is something that I'm super excited about. But I also realize like how little other people who are not necessarily directly impacted care, right? Because they just kind of, you, you assume that it's going to be clean and that it's going to work. Right. And Without realizing that there's this whole underlayer to it that you need to put that work in to make sure that it's accurate and clean, that churn is not impacting your database or your efforts, because that is something that just is, I think it's the bane of any marketing ops person's existence, to be fair.
0: So, so to, to paint a little picture of, of Naomi, and if you can't tell uh, from her name, Naomi Liu, uh, Naomi's Chinese, grew up in a very traditional (laughs) Chinese family. She, she tells me the story of, of, you know, that uh, an A minus is is an Asian F.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're, You're pretty
0: darn driven. And so what was weird is, as I said, we, I wanted to share like this white glove concierge, we'll take care of everything for you. But that was not going to play with Naomi (laughs) because as soon as she starts seeing the tool, part of what we're doing and configurating um, all the dupes and all the normalization is show and tell on the screen of what we're doing and how we're setting up these tasks and workflows. And you're like, I want to do that. And and going back to your GeoCities roots, like I want to get my hands dirty and learn (laughs) a new tool. And and so, uh, you know, you became a very unique persona for us, which was, Okay, it's white glove until this point, but mm-hmm. like she wants to log in and and keep uh, hacking at the database and 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 doing these things, and and you okay. seem to really enjoy doing that.
1: I do. It's uh, it's kind of like my, it, it's very therapeutic for me. You know, it is <laughs> a little it bit, totally right? It is when I see that duplicate number go to zero, I feel like I'm gonna have a good night's rest today.
0: <laughs> and you can log in. You exactly. can log into the tools that we provided to you, and you can actually see. How many dupes have been taken out, and and how pristine the data is? It's really cool, and i i I want to pinpoint this podcast as a as a time in B two B marketing when everyone started getting responsible about their data. Because I, I, like I said, I'm going to just be really, really loud about this in 2020. Because now that we have figured out how to get databases pristine and address all this. I want to do it for every one of our clients. And so they're working on the marketing materials right now and all the messaging, and they're going to facelift the website at some point. But uh, thank you for being client number two. Service Max was the first with Pat, and, and you were client number two, and you you enabled us to to learn how to serve you and how, how to do it well. And, and you taught us a lot. Appreciate it.
1: Thanks. Well, thanks for having us as a customer. For Absolutely.
0: Sure. Mm-hmm. As we wrap up, before you and I um, either crack that bottle of champagne, uh, that, that's certainly the... I, we're having dinner with uh, Sendoso folks. We Wednesday are. night. Maybe, maybe we're bringing tonight. Is it on. Is it tonight? Tonight. It is tonight. It is it's tonight. Tuesday night. Yes. Yeah. They had two different options and we, we opted mm-hmm. for the Tuesday night. So maybe we crack that bad boy tonight. Um, but before we head over to the show, 2020, weeks away, this was a big year. I'm not sure if you've done this already with you or my team, but if you didn't submit for the fearless 50 award, I encourage you to do that every year because you are fearless and you are an agent of change. And one day you're going to win that award because you deserve it. And as soon as somebody looks at that submission and, and gets to know you better and hopefully listens to this podcast, if you, when you submit direct them to this podcast, (laughs) um, because, uh, you are, you're, you're fearless. You're an agent of change and you work just the way you orchestrate across the organization, I think is that, you know, we all can get Super proficient at these tools. You could certainly go toe-to-toe, I'm sure, with like, Mm -hmm. you know, a four X Marketo champion out there. But the fact that you as a business leader are working the way that you do, that's what makes you the the unicorn that that you are. Um, my question, what what's 2020? What's going to happen?
1: First of all, thank you for thank you for those words. And I'm very humbled, A, to have gotten to know you and your team for the over the past year and also A to be to be on your podcast. Um uh, so thank you. Um, but for next year. 2020, it's really about just elevating the digital transformation of EFI, right? Because this year was a huge year in the sense that we put a lot of our time and effort into this migration, into this, um, just the entire project. And right now I'm in the back half of this, like phase two of this Marketo onboarding. So what I'm doing is I developed over the summer, um, a series of training modules for the business, um, 16 modules to be exact, and I've been delivering it and executing it to all of my marketing business partners to not only tell them, you know, this is your current process and this is how it can be improved and changed because you were doing things a certain way because of our previous tool sets, Um, as well, just kind of educating them on integrations, the way new features that are available to them, all of the modules that we bought and, you know, what are the new things that they can do now? And hopefully it's helping them to think about what their go-to-market strategy is for 2020 and also just like helping them to execute it along the way. And it's interesting at EFI because there are six distinct business units that my team supports, right? And in those six business units, there's times when I feel like I'm working for almost six different companies because, yeah. in the sense that not because it's like disparate or separate, but in the sense that there's varying levels of um, maturity when it comes to Um, where they are in the market and just also technology adoption, right? For some of our business units, I'm a full stack marketer. Like I'm helping them with their SEO, reviewing copy, creating graphics for them in, in Photoshop, building their programs and helping them with their lead management and nurture streams. And for others that are servicing maybe a bit of a more mature market, it's really about helping them with their strategy, customer testimonials, how do they, you know, sell to, how do they do um, opportunity marketing or pipeline marketing? And it's just, it's very different, but also the same and making sure that everybody, the all of the business units still have that one EFI message and aligned to the overall corporate strategy as well. So, cool. Yeah.
0: Going to be another fun year.
1: Yeah.
0: All right, let's go do the show. Uh, I'm teaching a, a course uh, Thursday. So if you, if you have uh, time at one o'clock. At
1: OpStars, yeah.
0: At OpStars, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm teaching uh, Salesforce campaigns inside and out, uh, really deep dive on how to really properly use the campaign uh, object in Salesforce and what you need to do from landing pages and inbound and Marketo to... Um. Do really good uh, attribution and and report mm-hmm. on revenue, which is what we all need to do at the end of the day. I'm
1: going to be that annoying kid in class. That's just going to ask you nonstop questions and be like, "What about this, Dave? What cool. about this?
0: All right. Look forward to it. <laughs> Thank you for being on 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 the podcast. I'm glad. Uh, you know, I I know I wanted to do this sooner, right? When we finished the 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 migration, you're like, "Yep, that we're going to do it." But I want to be at a certain place in the journey. Will you come back someday and let's let's do this again? Uh, on what you do next in that digital transformation, EFI, because, you know, getting the plumbing in place, that's great. And it's good. And I, and I know that you uh, are going to approach some things to really level up the company. Once again, it's been a great year. Congrats to you.
1: Thank Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. And thank you everybody for tuning in. That's going to wrap up this episode of Demand Gen Radio. We'll catch you on the next one. Take care. You've been listening
1: to the Flip My Funnel podcast.